0: I think you owe me money at this point. I'm, I'm frustrated because I, (laughs) I owe you money. This is now three weeks in a row. (laughs) I've bet the Steelers and lost.
1: Uh, I mean, I,
0: I am, I am more frustrated with myself. You know, the Steelers are becoming my, like, I can't quit them. And I just keep thinking to myself, oh no, well, they're going to get the run game going offensively big. You know what I mean? And I am losing, I am bleeding money on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it culminated, I'll tell you what, I was in rehearsal for the play I'm in. And I, you know, checked my phone after that game is over. And I looked at the score and I thought, oh, Pittsburgh squeaked out a win again, narrowly won. It wasn't until I got home and we started watching the highlights. And I was like, wait a minute, Washington won this (laughs) game? Wait, that wasn't. They won, and I like I literally had that moment, and then I looked at my phone, and I checked my bets, I was like, "What?" I was like, <laughs> "I was like, I'm never betting Steelers again this year. I'm done
1: with the Dude, Steelers." Dude, they are. This year. They they could really they could kill you. You know, I'll, I'll take the one for last week because the uh, the Ravens one I was way off on. You know, had them had them winning by um, by double digits, and they barely pull off a victory. But this week, honestly, I would have told you don't bet it because I was nervous about this one. And, I looked uh, at the you score, know, obviously.
0: And was like, oh, the Steelers squeaked out a win again. And then, like, I was watching the highlights, like, wait, they lost? I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it.
1: That's what I, that's Absolutely what I get. Absolutely gut-wrenching. Just brutal. I know we're going to hey, get that's... into it.
0: I know you're going to get into it, and I'm going to let you have your time. Because, listen, I'm at the point with the Bears, which, like, I don't even think I care anymore. So, at least there's passion here still on
1: your side. There's yeah yeah you know I'm I'm basically you from like maybe three four weeks ago. yes no once you, you know, lose like, six
0: in a row you're you the passion dies it's just, you're just <laughs> dead inside
1: yeah yeah that's that's when you uh, go and buy a bunch of Girl Scout cookies and just drown yourselves in some Thin Mints or something like that yes Samoas yeah, yeah. and Miller Lattes. Here we are, week 13, uh, almost in the books. Obviously, we have a Tuesday night game, so a lot of uniqueness going on, especially in this past month with Wednesday games. Uh, Thursday games getting pushed back. You know, We got Tuesday, so a lot of different stuff going on. Uh, we'll get to that Tuesday game at the end of the show. We'll kind of preview um, some of that coming up here with the Ravens and the Cowboys, but obviously uh, kind of alluded to it at the front there, some uh, shocking developments in the NFL. Uh, with the Jets nearly uh, winning and, and ruining their chance at Trevor Lawrence, but they pulled it off and lost the game. So kudos to them. Uh, but, you know, obviously other than that, the Steelers uh, now no longer the uh, only undefeated team in the NFL as they lose their first game and the, you know, the NFC East race ramping up and uh, some other close games uh, this week as well. So, Mark, I'll toss it to you uh, in just a moment for your initial reactions. But before we get to that, let's talk about the uh, on this day in football history. And uh, man, we have had a great run as of late, and it will continue here as we go back to December 8th of 1940, where the Chicago Bears crushed Washington 73 to nothing in the NFL championship game. Washington ended up having more passing yards than the Bears and the same number of first downs. But Chicago came away with eight interceptions in the absolute blowout win. And on top of that, just three weeks earlier, Washington defeated Chicago 7-3. to So you were mentioning it before we went on air here. That is a way to get revenge on an opponent if I've ever seen
0: one. Listen, that's a revenge game. You know, that's that's all you can chalk that up to. I'll, I, you know, it's funny.
1: And I'm going to go ahead and say they – I'm guessing they covered the spread. <laughs> Although we don't know what it was.
0: Your local bookie was what, what he gave you on that game.
1: The You know, it's interesting.
0: I it, To me, we've talked about it before on the show. The DNA of cities, the DNA of teams, and there's certain things you can and just can't shake. And, like, it just even goes to show you the Bears – when they you know obviously the original NFL franchise they had more NFL championship wins than i think any other franchise yes. obviously the one super bowl win but that just goes to show you when the bears are the bears like that they win with defense that it's just they always have they kind of it seems like in my lifetime they always will and uh i it's a uh, it's funny cuz you know i have a bunch of those like bears history books and i've read a ton of that And that's one of those things they talk about where, um, you know, when modern NFL historians, people talk back and they look back and they're like, that's one of those games that gets lost more in like the history of like, wow, like holy crap games. You know, a lot of people talk about obviously the Bears destroying the Patriots in the Super Bowl, uh, but the, you know, the 85 Bears, but like that's a performance, like a a meltdown performance like you never see, you never see in modern day, even like college football, right? Like, you make it to a championship game and you melt down eight interceptions and a, a bears team, just a uh, coaching mismatch with George Halas. But, uh, Hey, that's, uh, that's my bears. And, uh, uh, you know, listen, when as bad as it is in 2020, we always had 1940, baby. Always. That's,
1: had that's 1940. right. You can always, always go back to that. There is no doubt about it. An impressive win. And, um, you know, obviously the the biggest margin of victory in NFL history. So, you know that that says something right there, um, but yeah, the Bears Bears always winning with defense. That was you know Sid Luckman,
0: oh, um, my guy,
1: running the show there. And he, you know, is he is, in your mind? Um, you know, obviously it's way way back, but there really hasn't been like a storied list of Bears quarterbacks. Is he still the Bears like best quarterback of all time? I think Just for what, do what he was able time. to if do. If you
0: had to do an all time team, yeah, I think so. You have to put him there. Uh, McMahon and Cutler, I would argue, are right there, like, neck and neck. I'd say they're they're pretty close. And I think, you know, I, I mean, obviously, like, if you're just going for if Sig Luckman was Transport Today's NFL, Jay Cutler is the most talented quarterback. And, I mean, the guy you'd probably sure. actually want. But if you're going about, like, what they actually accomplished in their careers, where they were held, you know, at a time, he was the time when the Bears actually, you'd say to myself, oh, no, the Bears have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, he was a high esteem guy and, 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 you know, uh, when's the last time people actually legitimately thought the bears had a top five quarterback, even during the McMahon uh, success years. And when Cutler was going to a pro bowl or two, they would never thought of his top five guy. So I think you have to, he's, you have to put him as the guy on the bears all time team. Yeah, for sure. Which again, yeah, just kill me. Someone come in the studio <laughs> right. right now and just put a bullet through my brain. Uh, this is what we, I live with as, as a bears fan.
1: Look, I, I, that may, I, I'm not sure if that was the year or even the game, but he, he had a game where he threw like four touchdowns and then had like two interceptions on defense. Like, oh. that, that's, you know, so if you want to talk about, it, I'm not sure Cutler could, could pick off an NFL. Hey, quarterback, do you see Cuddy's so. Do you
0: see Cutty's high school basketball tape?
1: Yes, yes. Duncan he, and he, Santa Claus. The Indiana? guy could dunk. Guy could fly. He was yeah. a big hitter on as a safety too in high school. <laughs> We won't pay this any sort of much airtime, but I have to point out that we, for some ridiculous reason, I actually got in an argument with someone on Facebook this past week about whether Cutler was a better quarterback than Rex Grossman. Oh, he's winning better. And the guy, the guy was saying they're literally the same quarterback. No, they're and not I, at all. I just they're almost not lost my mind. They're not That's at all. Rex ridiculous. Grossman was a better college
0: <laughs> quarterback, absolutely, but as far as NFL. Oh, sure, sure. NFL, and, and Cutler, I'd argue Cutler would be the type of guy – they would actually succeed back in the forties as a two way player.
1: That's yeah, I, I think guess he would I guess be. that's true. He did have some, you know, a level of toughness to him, and just, you know, like, and, uh, like e- carelessness for his body. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he had no regard for his body. So now the diabetes may have limited around. him, though.
0: That's that, you, that, that you, you don't get the insulin shots on the sideline back in the '40s, probably. Medical that would
1: have been an issue. Science has yeah. helped him there. We we can all right. Can we get <laughs> off the tragedy let's, that is Bears' let's move off of this? Then I got to
0: go back to what guy played two way ball here. I'm. I'm already depressed. I have a bear stat that's going to depress us all enough, anyway. So let's just. Oh let's God! Just, you know. It's.
1: I mean, a depressing game that was for sure. But look, I mean, um, the Saints uh, coming away with a win over the Falcons. The Falcons actually looking pretty decent in that game. Um, but the Saints once again just finding a way with a backup quarterback to continue to win games. And the Falcons, we'd all agree, have been playing really good ball as of late. So coming into this one, they were not the four and seven team or at least playing like that coming into this one. So, look, the Saints are are impressive at this point. They're 10-2. They have the one seed. And, I mean, right now, they they for sure are the team to beat in the NFC, wouldn't you say, just based on the balance they have. Even though Tampa and Green Bay have a lot of talent on offense, this team is the most balanced. I would
0: argue today the problem is, like always, this is a different Saints team that we've seen, in the past three years when they get into the playoffs with Drew Brees. This Saints team, I mean, they, what have they been in the past couple of years? Two seeds and one seed, 13 and three. And then they get into the playoffs, defenses clamp down, they take away the short passing stuff. And, and I would argue, I mean, you're at this point in time where you have to start legitimately saying if you're a Saints fan, what would you rather? Would you rather be more dynamic with Taysom Hill and le- way less experience, and then you basically cuck Drew Brees out of a chance to win another Super Like, get his He'll get a second Super Bowl but not be the starter. I think they have a better chance to win the Super Bowl with Taysom Hill than Drew Brees because we've seen what's happened the past three years with Drew Brees when he gets into the playoffs. Even last year when he had rest and he had that five games with Teddy Bridgewater, the Saints are 8-0 and without Drew Brees as a starter the past two years. That is an insane stat. I mean, that it, 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 you you can't just—it's not a fluke to ask that question. This is not a hot take. Sure, I but think, they
1: are—they're—they're they're kind of winning these games by the skin of their teeth, if you will. I you agree, know, like, pu- but they're putting together. But but here's what I think. Like I I I I think Taysom Hill has earned himself a larger role in this offense. What I think they should do is. You know, before Drew Brees got hurt, what they would do is bring Taysom Hill in and everyone knew what was going to happen. He was going to do some sort of wildcat running in the football. Maybe every once in a blue moon would take a shot on a deep pass. Now is a point where he's sort of solidifying himself as more of a threat in the passing game than he was seen as before. So I think what you do is you bring him in as a more of a balanced approach, sharing time with Drew Brees. And so defenses now won't know oh, Taysom Hill's in the game, he's going to run it. No, he might not. He actually might just come in and drop back to pass. I think you can utilize both of them, keep Breeze fresh, and not put a heavy workload on him while keeping the big play and surprise element of bringing Taysom Hill in. I think you could work, work uh, much better with that in the postseason. Yeah, I
0: I, I, I totally know. agree with you. Again, I am going to be that guy who's been burned by the Saints Every every time the last three years, I'm sick of being burned by the Saints. How many times on my radio show last year I just say Saints are the team? I mean Saints, Saints, Saints. I mean, I'm I'm done. I am just done being that guy with the Saints. Obviously, they are still my my number one team, power ranked in the NFC right now. They've earned that respect. They play great defense. Cam Jordan still, after all these years, can get after the quarterback. But I, I'm gonna I will hold my breath with the Saints in the playoffs. And I got to be honest. There's a lot of teams that I I like uh this the biggest thing to the Saints the the most important thing for them right now is to play every one of those damn games in that dome. Uh and I think they're going for that and they they have the they have the uh the the you know the 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 fast track to that one seed and that's going to be huge. So good win for them. It could have been a total trap game. You're right against a land team that's playing better. Uh, uh but uh and Raheem Morris, I think he may have earned himself a job. Maybe not in Atlanta, but somewhere as a head coach. He looks like a head coach to me yes. uh, and, uh, and uh total trap game, but they avoided it totally.
1: We'll get to the bears and lions game. I know you have some, some definite thoughts on that one, but let's, let's kind of pour through some other areas of the NFC here. The Vikings, you know, it wasn't pretty pull off a three point win over the Jaguars, but they remain in the playoff race. As of right now, they're this, they're that seven seed. They're hanging on to that final wild card. And they got some help from the Cardinals, who lost by ten to the Rams. So, whereas the Cardinals were a threat to actually, you know, um, push Seattle for that division title, now it seems the Rams have taken over into that driver's seat, and now it's going to be LA versus Seattle for that division title. Do the Cardinals at this point, from what they've shown, like are are they? I know it's super close. They're they're six and six, just like Minnesota. But like in your mind, like are you giving Minnesota the edge come season's end, or are the Cardinals gonna push their way in there uh by the end of this thing?
0: Well, obviously this the Minnesota loss now to Dallas is even more staggering. Minnesota is in the playoffs yes. to start today it, over Arizona. Arizona's lost three straights since the the Hale Murray. Um I you know, I like Mike Zimmer more than I like Cliff Kingsbury right now. I like Kyler Murray more more than I like Kirk Cousins. I, uh, you know, they're to me, they're very similar teams where they just have massive holes. I do think they are both threats, which is, which is scary. If you are that two seed, because they're battling for the last seed, that seven seed. So Correct. if you are yep. that two seed, you don't really want to see either of those two teams. You could convince yourself either way. Um Murray's so dynamic. They have huge playmakers. Uh, while Kirk is not dynamic, I think he's a little more consistent. You know what? You get more out of him game to game right now in their careers than Murray. And their
1: defense is playing much better. And their defense is playing too, better.
0: You know. And Zimmer and the and the Vikings, let's be honest, they've been there more before in the past couple of years and had big upsets. So, you know, listen, the Vikings, I don't trust either of these teams down the stretch, but with San Francisco and Chicago being the only other teams that were even close going into this week to have a chance to really push for a playoff spot, they both laying eggs. Yeah, You know, it's going to be one of those two teams who, you know, who wants it, who claims it. They both – neither of them have easy, easy schedules going on the stretch. Uh, I would – I think Minnesota's the better team right now, and it's only because I think that, you know, know, Arizona's lost a lot of their mojo after that Hale-Murray losing three straight for sure. And kudos to Minnesota for bouncing back. Bad loss against Dallas, and then what happens? They're down – to the Jaguars at home and they find a way to come back and win that game, things could have unraveled really quickly for them and they didn't let it happen. So I think that says something about Minnesota as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, be, being, able to hang on to that spot. So late in the season, I mean, it's extremely important at this time of the year. So uh, for them to pull out any sort of win in uh, especially in that circumstance, in that situation, then yeah, you got to give them kudos uh, in terms of the AFC. I mean, we, we've kind of been saying this all year that, the, the two teams that have been the most confusing have probably been the Colts um, and you know, the Browns at times, and then the Raiders as well. The Raiders now, you two weeks the ago. in
0: there as well. I mean, roller coaster yeah, yeah. teams.
1: Sure. Sure. Absolutely. But with the Colts and the Raiders, they're both on that seven seed, um, you know, tier right now. The Colts currently holding the seven seed at eight and four, the Raiders now at seven and five, they've, I mean, and the Raiders just got a gift there at the end from Greg Williams where they said in, you know, what was what the stat was like 252 times since like 2000 that had that yeah. situation occurred. Not once did, did people ever rush six um, on defense and, you know, man up just one person on the sidelines, no safety help, ridiculous play. It got Greg Williams fired, but Had that not happened, the Raiders are are, are all of a sudden 6-6, and and, you know, Baltimore's then right back in it, and, you know, we're not talking about the Raiders. So it it is weird, you know, the Raiders still on the outside looking in, even after a phenomenal run of about three, four games just a few weeks ago.
0: Well, you know, but the problem is also what what we forget in our praise two weeks ago of the Raiders when we were so high in them after that Chiefs loss. It was still a loss. Like, in the win column. Right. You know what I mean? And they definitely read their press clippings. And, you know, that loss to Atlanta last week, that really killed their playoff chances. It really, you know, that kept them on, is keeping them on the outside looking. And not the Chiefs loss. It's that Atlanta loss. Uh, So, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I actually feel better about the Raiders now in a weird way. Because you win a game like, you you lose a game like that you did to Atlanta. And then things are going so bad. And you're feeling that. Again, that wave of pressure, like Minnesota felt against a bad team that you know is not trying to win, and you can still, hey, a win's a win, it's going to go in that column as a W. It wouldn't shock me if the Raiders play a lot better football in the, over the next couple of weeks. Don't know yeah. if that helps them get in, but I think, it, you know, the Raiders just, again, they're a, they're a team that none of, I, we did not think would be in this playoff discussion, kind of like the Cardinals, so I think this is bonus for them. And the biggest thing for them is going to be, can you fix your defense? You need to fix your defense. And Gruden has got to get, uh, and Mayock they have got to draft well on the defensive side of the ball. Can you know convince a couple free agents? It's a great free agent market for Vegas. No state tax. Amazing American city. Unique experience. Got to get some free agents, and they got to spend money on that defense and draft it. Uh, and if they can even improve their defense again, kind of like Seattle, we talked about. You just can't be in the bottom. You know, third. You got to be somewhere in the middle or top third and all of a sudden we're, the Raiders are in a completely different spot.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, you know, they have invested in defense in recent years. They're just so young. Yeah. So if they can if they can actually – if Gruden can show that he can develop these guys, then maybe we're looking at, like, a, you know, top 12, 13 defense in the next couple of years. But that is going to be their biggest thing to help consistency on the offensive side as well. And we know that Josh Jacobs uh, hasn't been healthy as of late. Once they get him back – this team might actually be able to return to form that they were about a month or so totally. uh, and earlier in the season. So while they're on the outside, looking in the AFC race is still as intriguing as the NFC race, even though the NFC is a little deeper and, and there are more question marks in the NFC, but the Colts at the seven seed right now, and they're only one, I mean, they they and the Titans are both eight and four. So what are these guys is going to have to pull away in these final weeks? This may come down, to, to week 17 in the NFL season for who actually uh takes this division in the South.
0: Colts and Titans are interesting. And you know, it's obviously and we'll talk right now, Colts and Brown. I mean, uh Titans and Browns. Titans, this can happen to them. The Titans are a, a unique team where they can they can be the team that's up 31-3 on you, or they can very easily be the team that's down 31-3. There's very few teams in the NFL, if, if any other team in the NFL that's like that, and it's because the Titans have such a hole on the back end of their defense, and they don't get nearly enough pressure on the quarterback. So when you're a yeah. team that's built to bludgeon, right, like the Titans are, they want to run the football, play action pass. They want to bludgeon you. You can get down early. All it takes is that rare fumble from King Henry and your defense just not having it that day, and all of a sudden you can let an offense that's, a, uh, that's not known as a passing offense go over top and kill you, and all of a sudden you're down. But on the reverse end of that, they can also be the team that can show up and just assault assault your defense, three straight drives, score three straight touchdowns, and 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 forces you to get pass happy, and that helps their defense when they play with the lead. So the Titans are very unique in that way. I'll say this, though. The story of that game is the Browns, and, and listen, I was hard on my radio show Saturday morning at Baker Mayfield. You know this, I've never been a high end Baker in the sense that I thought would not have drafted Baker number one. I would have drafted, I think he was draftable. I think he is a starter in this league. I think he's a he's a uh, 20% better than Case Keenum type guy. I don't think he's, uh, he's not the guy I would want my franchise to build around because I think a lot like a Case Keenum or a Ryan Tannehill, you can win not because of him, but with him, you know. And I think the, right, I, but I think right. Baker shut a lot of people up. That was impressive. What I, what I'm excited to see from Baker now is, does this game launch him into three, four games down the stretch here now, where he plays insane football? And if Baker plays even seventy five percent of the way he played against the Titans, this Browns team could be in an AFC Championship game. They really could, because they have dudes on defense. They're not a great defense. Kind of reminds me of the Rams defense a little bit. They have guys where Miles Garrett is a is a stud. Uh, they can
1: make game, game-breaking plays. Game-breaking
0: plays. Yeah. And then yeah. offensively, they have an identity. And if they have an identity, and and you you bite on that run, and if Baker's accurate and can go over the top like he did with Donovan Peoples-Jones and Jarvis Laney having a big day, that's a team that's in the they, – they're like the Titans of last year. That's a team that's in the AFC Championship game wouldn't shot me. The problem is – this is one game from Baker, and I give him his props. I will give him his props. I want to see two, three, four games from Baker like this.
1: Yeah, and, we and you know, he showed up. You got to give him credit. Showed up in a huge moment. I mean, they're riding a three-game winning streak, going into playing one of the better teams in the AFC. On the road. Uh, a team on the road, a team that can uh, run with the best of them just like your team, which team actually comes uh, on top and wins that battle the browns and the browns showed on top of that that they can put up a 40 burger. You know, they yeah. they put up they put up 37 against the Bengals so you're not like wow, that's that's impressive. They put up 32 on the Colts, which might have been their one of their more impressive uh wins earlier this year. And they did they, early in the season, they were putting up 30 plus points pretty consistently. Once they got in the middle there and they were playing some of the lesser defenses, they were starting to put up duds and then you're like, "Well, how You know, what's this team doing? So they come back and respond with a 41-point performance. Uh, The biggest thing for the Browns is two of their next four games to close out the season are going to be against the Giants and the Jets. They should win both those games. The other two really tough games against the Ravens and the Steelers to close out the season. Those are going to be the moments where it's like, okay, Baker, you showed up big against the Titans when you needed to. Now you got to turn around. You host the Ravens next week. You have to win that game. The Ravens are beaten right now. They they have struggled as of recently. They've been losing, uh, you know, key pieces. Th- this this Ravens team is currently dead in the water, but they're not going to go down without a fight. No, and they have so the mental you're, edge. You're you going mean? to get their back, big brother, Correct. little
0: brother. And I, I'll say this: my last point with Baker is, and and the Browns. If you're a Browns fan, this is exactly what you want because you have a team now and a coach that you you have the culture and the team and the coach that you're like, oh no, no. This is now the best that we can be right now. And this is winnable football. This is wild card, possibly division competing type of football. Now we gotta know, is our quarterback the guy? And Baker has all the pressure on the world right now playing against his biggest rivals in the final four weeks. And basically playing for a contract. He's playing for, will you pick up my fifth-year option? So, this is what you want. You can't ask for more than that as a football fan. You want to see, Do your does your guy play his biggest and best football against his toughest opponents when everything's on the line? And if he does that, then they should pick up his fifth-year option or maybe even sign him in the offseason, try to do a long-term deal, maybe get him in a little bit of lesser money and see what Baker will do that way. He's making a ton of money in those commercials Maybe you go. Maybe you can get him uh, early uh, for a little less money, and then you, you feel good about it. If you're a Browns fan, if Baker wins three of four, maybe they win the division, or or you win a couple playoff games, uh, then you feel really good about it. If Baker plays well, now if, ba- if they do all that and Baker's not playing well, that's a greater a better question that we'll get to talk about certainly in the off season.
1: Four touchdowns for Baker Mayfield in this one, and. It's important to note that he has looked much better recently with the absence of OBJ. It yeah. just doesn't feel like OBJ. Uh, he, He's he Garner's too much attention. Baker Mayfield felt too, too much pressure yep. early on. He would pepper him with targets and the, the offense was out of sync. Now that he can spread it out, Rashad Higgins is showing up big. They're making big plays down the field. Jarvis Landry is, has a bigger role and they're able to spread things out while running the football consistently with two of the best running backs in the NFL. This yep. is a team, like you said, that is actually built to win some football games. So, uh, especially in the postseason, if, they can, if you can run well, you have a good shot uh, at winning a lot of football games. Let's talk about the Dolphins. 19-7 victory over the Bengals. Not, in, not the most inspiring performance. Two a back under center. Uh, Miles Gaskin, 90 yards on the ground. But the Dolphins pull out a win. They move to 8-4. and four. They are firmly in the wild card standings. And one game behind Buffalo... For the AFC East. I mean, this is not where we thought the Miami Dolphins would be at this point of the season. But Brian Flores has done something with this group, and the defense the defense has been the biggest story. It really hasn't been Tua. It's been how great this defense is playing. Tua is playing he's not you know surprising anyone with uh, you know, four or five touchdown games. Like he has he's not being Justin Herbert. He's being consistent. He's hanging on to the football, and the defense is just playing stout. So, right now, this is also a team that is currently built for December, for January.
0: Well, what I love about the way, obviously, first off, A, just get the win. They got the win. That's what matters for the Dolphins right now. Was it pretty? Not exactly. But what I'll say, what I'm encouraged by with Tua is what is the struggle with young quarterbacks where then, as much as I love Herbert and the way he's played, and as much as I, you know, Love young quarterbacks like a Josh Allen, um, just getting out there gunslinger, just make a ton of mistakes, learn. I on the flip side, you can make the argument, and I'm starting to in my head. I really love what two is doing even more. I mean, this guy is he refuses to turn the ball over, and yes, maybe that means that you're getting field goals and not touchdowns. But with the way that defense is built, with the way Brian Flores wants to play football, it, they have almost like min it's like they're the AFC's Minnesota Vikings you have a head coach in a very similar style old-fashioned old school we're going to play elite defensive football be really good on special teams and I want an offense that will get manage the clock run the football and score when it's opportune and can make a big player too and I think Tua is arguably starting to be show himself as the best quarterback in that group of guys we talk about who are the game managers who, you know, can, can really like, uh, who need pieces around them uh, who are not going to go out there and throw for 500 yards and just be the gunslinger guy. He seems like he could argue be the best of that group of the Kirk Cousins group of quarterbacks like that. And, uh, but then also you can teach him to be more explosive or to take more risks as opposed to teaching him to stop taking risks. You know what I mean? I He's a, kind of opposite end of the spectrum of the guy who's leading his division in, jo- in Josh Allen where they've done a great job of that coaching staff getting Josh Allen to take less risks, risks to uh, I think you're going to have to coach him up a little bit more to like, all right, hey, push the ball here, push the ball there. Love what they're doing. Love that he's healthy. Love that he's playing. And uh, a nice win for them. And, uh, and you know what? It's crazy the Dolphins are in this spot. I certainly didn't predict it. Uh, But Brian Flores and and what they're building there, it's impressive.
1: Yeah, it really is. And and right now they're in the sixth seed. uh, So they're just, you know, one ahead of the Colts there. They're both eight and four. And, you know, the Dolphins kind of controlling their own destiny at this point. I mean, if they win out, they they are in the playoffs. And what a crazy turn of events from just a couple years ago when this, this was one of the worst franchises in football. Yeah just didn't seem like they were going to be winning games anytime soon. You get the right coach, you get a quarterback that can run an offense and not turn the ball over. And all of a sudden you're looking at a formidable playoff team uh, going down the stretch here. And, um, you know, obviously we're going to talk about that, that Pittsburgh Washington game from last night. uh, We'll talk about that later, later, but I, um, I want to talk
0: about quickly with the Colts. You know, we were talking about the Titans. I just want to mention, you know, nice win for them, uh, and it really, you know, the Texans were on a little bit of a run here, they're playing good football, inspired football. Deshaun Watson's still uh, just so good. I-, I will say this, so the story's obviously the Colts, and getting the win, uh, tough divisional win. You know, a lot like the Titans, where they're hard to figure out week to week, and part of that is because the Titans, where we talked about their big hole on defense, the Colts' biggest hole is their is their own quarterback. And it's a guy, he's a guy that uh, we all know and love with Phillip Rivers. And he is again, once again, not shocking us. He's having a Philip Rivers type year. When he's on, this team looks like they could be in an AFC championship game. When he's off, they look like a team like the Titans did against the Browns. It could just get blown out so quickly. And that is crazy uh, that, that you have a team that's eight for four leading their division that's like that. But that's what we have with the Colts. And so. I don't trust them, uh, but I like watching them, and they're explosive, they're fun, and, and, and you know what? You can never shame on getting a division win against a a, a a tough division opponent and a great quarterback in Watson.
1: Were you surprised at the Chiefs-Broncos game and how close it was and Denver, almost looking to to get a win there, or was it one of those... You know, I, I'm more of the mindset of divisional games are always unpredictable. I was because mad at they know each other, and and that's just how it goes.
0: Yeah, I, it's definitely that because I was mad at myself because I bet uh, I bet the Chiefs big in that game, and then halfway through the first quarter, was like, you dumb pos! Like, of course this game was gonna be close. Like, of course, divisional <laughs> right. game. Broncos getting up for it. They got embarrassed on TV last week with their quarterback room, and everything happened. And let's be honest, the Chiefs are a team that can and have shown us they might just kind of play down to their competition and you you always felt the Chiefs are going to win that game it was never like I was never worried never yeah. a panic uh but they just can play that way sometimes so the Chiefs just can come out real slow or lethargic or a little sloppy and just know all right keep it close keep it close keep it close and Mahomes does Mahomes Uh, no, not at all. You know, and that's, it's one of those things where you you could sit here and make the argument. I, you really could, uh, if you were anti-chiefs and you, you really, you know, were, um, not a fan of the chiefs, you could say, well, that's why I don't trust him. And that's why you coach like that. And you're going to play to win or play hard every game and blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to be that guy. They're still, we've been saying for weeks, they're still the best team in this, in the league, even though they're not the undefeated team. They weren't the undefeated team. Uh, I, no worries at all. And for the Broncos, again, it just goes to show you, man, when the Broncos kill for a guy like Tua, we're just like, Oh, no, we can manage this game and, and, and pick our spots and take care of the football compared to drew lock. I mean, that just goes to show you the frustration for a fan base like that. Cause the Broncos, they have a really solid foundation. They have a lot of great young pieces. You talked about it at the beginning of the season in our preview about the young pieces. But man, oh man, oh man, Drew Locke just doesn't seem to be getting it early and 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 helping them win. Drew Locke's upside is, I still think, is high. But the problem is how much patience and time do you give a guy to figure out the turnovers and the and the lackadaisical looseness with the football and the and the idea of like, dude, there's checkdowns for a reason. And I don't know if that's the offense they run and and versus or just Drew Locke's DNA. I don't know, but it, it's not there.
1: Yeah, not at all. And, um, you know, some guys have high ceilings, but really low floors. And, you know, maybe too early to tell, but that that could be the situation in Denver. And when you have something like that, it's hard to go into each week uh, feeling confident because you're just not sure what you're going to get week in and week out. Moving back to the NFC, we didn't talk about this one, but obviously, what are the bigger games there? L.A. beating the Cardinals. So with Seattle losing to the Giants 17 to 12 Which we'll talk really about. rough yeah. showing yeah really rough showing um Seattle's now in the wild card spot in the 5th seed so it's going to be this back and forth battle for that NFC West uh, and we we talked about the Cardinals there i mean what are your thoughts on on this Rams Seahawks Cardinals kind of you know just all-out brawl right now, especially with, you know, the latter, the Seahawks and the Rams? Well,
0: I think, first off, A, I think the book is out on how to slow down Kyler Murray right now in his career. Um, And, again, Kyler Murray, I think, is the guy who's smart enough and and will get enough of the right coaching for him. Uh, I don't know about the team with Cliff Kingsbury, what he does for the team, but what he does for Kyler, if you pressure Kyler and make him go left, then then th- that's exactly what you need to do. He wants to roll right. He wants to run right. Kyler running is when the Cardinals are really, really good, and they're really, really hard to beat. Kyler moving to his left and having to throw left and not feeling necessarily that comfortable running left, it totally makes their offense one dynamic, and they don't run the football well enough otherwise um, to aid him and abet him in other ways. Now, listen, the Rams... The Rams are, uh, are are funny because you see them get blown out by a division opponent in San Francisco, and then you see them do this to a division opponent in in uh, Arizona, where Goff throws for 351 yards. He looks great. Um, uh, t- one touchdown pass. To get the, the run. They run the ball well with Acres, uh, Henderson has the big run, and then you know the the multiple TDs. You know the Rams. I still think I contend the Rams. Um, are that team that you may not say right now is the Super Bowl team, but if the Rams are in the Super Bowl, if the Rams are in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs in two months from now, would would we be that shocked? I'm starting to feel more and more like I wouldn't be that shocked. Um, You know, the problem with the Rams is if you get them uncomfortable – and you get Jared Goff uncomfortable, then he's re- Goff is really, really not good when he is in the improv- improvising stage. Kyler thrives in the improvising stage. Aaron Rodgers thrives in the improvising stage. Jared Goff's not that. He's not an improviser. He's mobile. Don't, don't confuse that. He's mobile. He can move. He likes to move the pocket. He can scramble. But he's not necessarily an improviser. So do you have a defensive line that can disrupt Jared Goff. I know the Saints do. I don't know if the Packers are consistent enough, and I don't know if the Seattle's consistent enough. So it's interesting in that way. So if if the Rams could – I could see them beating a a, a Green Bay, beating a Seattle in the playoffs. Could they beat a New Orleans? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm high on the Rams right now. They're playing good football uh, when they're not playing the Niners. (laughs) It's as
1: simple as that. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um and well, I was gonna say one other thing about that. Oh yeah, they're 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 that confusing team in the NFC that that we were talking about. Yeah, we were we were talking about the Titans and the Colts and the Raiders. Uh, the the Rams are right there because they they have these great performances and then they have some duds in there too. Uh, so you're you're just not sure week to week with them. But nonetheless, I mean, hey, they're they're sitting atop the division. They've earned that. They're eight and four. Uh, and and they have some great playmakers on both sides of the football that could win a game at any given time for you. And Jalen Ramsey is balling out this year too. So there's always that. Uh, Finally, Mark, obviously the bears um, fall to the lions Detroit coming away with a win. there. bears are now five and seven. It's, it's been a rough, rough stretch. Yeah. And you know, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'll kind of let you uh, discuss their state right now as we go into week 14.
0: Well, you know, for me, what I'll say this, and I think this this stat I saw today, uh, and I'll give credit to NFL on CBS on on Twitter. I saw it, and I was like, I got I got to talk about this. Uh, since 1992, the Bears have only had six 10 win seasons. So in 28 years, they've only won 10 or more games six times. So they get on these spurts, and what's crazy is. Four of those six were in the nine years Lovey Smith was the head coach. They can Lovey Smith, and since then, the roller coaster of inconsistency has been disastrous. Two in the other twenty years from Wanstad, Jaron, Fox, Tressman, and Nagy. And what I what I think that what I think that really goes to show is with the Bears. um, Organizationally, it's always going to start at the top with Phillips and George McCaskey, and I'm actually a, a fan of George McCaskey. As far as if any of the McCaskeys going to run the, I, I'm I'm not one of those people who's ever going to say, just sell the team. The, the Bears will never sell the team. A McCaskey is going to run the team.
1: They're, they're never going to happen. It's going to happen.
0: So of the McCaskeys, I like George the most, <laughs> and uh, and I like George's willingness to try new things, to uh to 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 uh. Seemed to evolve with the NFL. I liked the Nagy hire at the start. Uh, just like I liked the Trestman hire at the start. I hated the Fox hire because that's that's when it's like, no, no, we got scared and we need to just go back to like, oh, well, football and its basics and football guys. I am right. I like the Bears uh, being experimental uh, and, and going that way because I think that's what you have to do in this league. You have to stake stabs. And you have to find that guy's going to build the culture. And I still think the problem, the hardest thing I have with Nagy is, culture-wise, I still think he's a good culture guy. The problem is you're starting to see all of the other loopholes. And that 12-4 first year when he won Coach of the Year, it seems so distant now because of all of these little things that are starting to fall through the cracks of the Bears and they're coming through and you can start to tell, okay, that reflects directly on pace and Nagy. If you have an organization that legitimately thinks Nick Foles uh from the tape you've seen and 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 your connections with them uh is the guy to pay that much money to to bring in and then stick with for that long that to me is is a huge huge fault from your GM and your head coach. If you legitimately think that uh your offense uh is uh is more the scheme is more important than the players that's a that's a fault we see it week in and week out in the nfl coaches that are successful and and teams are successful fitting schemes to what they have versus trying to fit square pegs in round holes and say no this is my scheme you have to run it and you have to be proficient in it um and and, and so i l- listen i am at this point in time that's a tr- that's a loss to a team that you were five and zero against in your career, and you lose that way for Nagy and and for Pace, and it looked that bad in the last two minutes, when when you had a ninety nine point one percent probability of winning that game, that is one of those where you say to yourself, uh, "That's that's a clean house loss." So the Bears will never clean house in season, and I'm okay with them not cleaning house in season, as long as as long as George and the power structure know they've already made their decision, and if their decision is to keep them keep Pace and Nagy, then I hope George Pace and Nagy are already having discussions about we need to be calling Dallas to trade up in the draft, who are we going after as the quarterback as a free agent or in the draft? We need to make that plan right now because if you keep those two positions, then you need to completely overhaul the quarterback position and uh and you got to start getting creative and I want to hear their plan. If you clean house, then you need to be already talking to the guys and knowing what your plan is. Uh, whether it's we're going to go after a quarterback is in a bad situation like a Stafford, a Wentz, or whoever, or we need to go and find that team high up in the draft. A Dallas, a Cincinnati that's already got their guy, and we need to go get our guy that's going to change our franchise. So at this point in time, the Bears, no, I'm not talking about playoffs for the Bears anymore. Winning games is not important. It's about the future. It's a re- It's rebuild now, and I've accepted that, and it sucks, but... That's that's where we're at. It always sucks as a fan when you go through a rebuild uh, because you love to see your team win games. But that's where the Bears are at right now. In my opinion, I am now uh, as long as I've defended Pace and Nagy, I am now in the uh, in the clean house category. You can't you can't tell me that, that that is winning football the way they've run their organization since the double doink. It's not. None of it's been winning football, and it, it the, the holes are starting to become. Gaping and they're they're and it's it's all falling apart. And when you have a, that talented of a defense, lose the way they did against a team that they own historically, uh that just goes to show me that there's not it's not buttoned up and the players are done and that and that's sad.
1: And I'm not con- entirely convinced that Trubisky has regressed this much from that 2018 season because they were at least playing winning football with him at the st- as a starting quarterback. So something. Other than just Trubisky has has changed exactly, um, and and that's that's where the biggest problem comes with, and, and we know that the run game has had its issues, and you know recently they've been much better at that, but, um, but in, there are a lot of things. Oh yeah, go well, ahead. I was
0: saying, and I have a spin zone for your Steelers too, we'll talk about it here in a second. The the biggest way I can spin this because you know me, I am a glass half uh, full guy. I'm a I'm a positive fan, and the best thing you can say is you know what? I'm going to spin this as this. I'm glad we learned that this year. It's been a tough year, but what would have happened if the bears went nine and seven, 10 and six, they maybe make a playoff run and you just blame Trubisky. And then the bears pace and nagy are given a chance to get another quarterback and they ruin it. And you're stuck. You know what I mean? Like maybe what we've learned now is yeah. Mitchell Trubisky was a bad draft pick. We've known that for probably two years now, but now we also know, this GM and this head coach are not capable of sustaining a winning culture in that organization. And if you don't have that and you don't have the quarterback, then you're really SOL and you and you do need to start over.
1: Well, that, that brings me to this one question I'm going to ask you before we move on to our next segment. And that is, you know, oftentimes if a GM is gone, the head coach is gone because they want their new GM to pick their coach. But, um, you know, from my perspective, I'm not so sure that, it's a mutually exclusive situation with Pace and Nagy. To in your mind, are, are do they have to be attached if a decision is made, or in your view, could one conceivably go while you want to keep the other? Like, is there is there an ideal situation from that standpoint that you could see? I, to out?
0: me, the ideal situation is always clean. You, you let the new GM pick the new head coach. If you have a new GM, you have a new head coach. So if you're keeping the GM. And then you, if if you're if if for some reason House Hall they say we want Ryan Pace, then then you got to make a Nagy change, and you got to make a quarterback change. You say, all right, let Pace go at it again with a new coach and a new and a new quarterback. Um, if you're keeping Nagy, then the only way you're keeping Nagy, in my opinion, is that inside of Hall's Hall, they know that Pace was the one who wanted Foles. That pace was the one who kept forcing Trubisky. That pace was the reason. You know what I mean? Then that, that. Sure. So, so like to me, that'd be the only way you keep Nagy is you say, no, no, no. This has been slightly toxic in the fact that our head coaches had to deal with the fact that Pace has forced these decisions down the head coach's throat, and we're not happy with it. The pace was the one that said, hey. As soon as Trubisky throws that bad pick, I want the hook. Let's get our guy in there. We paid a lot of money for Foles. You know what I mean? I don't think that's the case, and so I think they both got to go. Now, if it's Nagy that wanted Foles and Nagy and, and they keep Nagy, then again, it just goes to show you how much of a laughing stock the Bears are. And so, please, God, please, God, please, God, let's hope it's not that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're going to be, an, uh, yet again, a very interesting team to keep an eye on. Going into the offseason and throughout the offseason. They're they're going to be one of the more fascinating ones to watch. All right, moving on to our bold strategy, Cotton, uh, moment of the week. This one comes out of Philadelphia. It actually comes post this week 13 game. Uh, Doug Peterson, head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, announcing that they are going to start Jalen Hurts, the rookie second rounder, out of Alabama over Carson Wentz this upcoming week as they take on the Saints. Hertz was five of 12 for 109 yards with one touchdown, one interception in relief of Wentz uh, against the Packers this past week. They lost to green Bay 30 to 16. Wentz obviously, I think it was like fourth and 18 or whatever, or I'm sorry, Hertz uh, on fourth and 18 had that, you know, beautiful um, corner of the touch end zone touchdown throw. He also ran for uh, 29 yards Wentz was 6 of 15, 161 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He ran for 18 yards. Uh, th- this does seem like a bold strategy. Uh, at this point of the season, they're 3-8 and eight and 1, and I know that they feel, you know, we're still going to push for that division title. And realistically, they're only one and a half games out. But the fact is, or two and a half games out at this point, I should say, you know, the Giants are playing much better. Washington's playing much better. Dallas isn't completely out of it. I, the, their pathway to the playoffs seems ex- extremely slim Slim at this point. It, it seems like it's between Washington and New York at this point.
0: Well, okay, so the strategy, the bold strategy, obviously the benching, and I'll say this. I firmly believe this move is made for one of two reasons. The one I think is most likely is that Doug Peterson is certainly – feeling pressure within the organization about his own job. And Doug Peterson legitimately thinks I don't give a rip who you sign for whatever money. I don't want to lose my job. So I'm going to play the guy who I think gives me the best chance to win. So I think most likely that's what's happening. I, I You know, that organization signs once that big deal, that forces obviously Doug Peterson to stick with Wentz and he has stuck with Wentz Um. Now the now people are starting to turn on him, saying, "Well, maybe Peterson sucks, so we got to keep Wentz because we have so much money tied to Wentz." I think Peterson starts to hear that and goes, "No, no, 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 no! If I'm going down, then I'm at least going down with the guy I think gives me the best chance to win." Because you also start to say to yourself, "If Peterson gets fired, he wants to show the rest of the league it was a Carson Wentz issue, not a Doug Peterson
1: issue, right?" So, right. The other only other thing, it- or or does he say, "I'm not getting Carson killed." I'm I'm just, we're we're, we're mailing it in, you know? the other thing
0: for me is that the only other thing could be is Peterson and the organization have an understanding saying, listen, we we can trade Wentz and we're not in, it's not the absolute worst thing in the world, but it's then we got to know if we trade Wentz, can Jalen Hurts play like he's earning $30 million a year? Because... You you know, you say, oh, well, Carson Wentz is owed that money, and he's gonna be dead money in your cap if you trade him with the next two years, like twenty-eight and then like thirty million dollars. Well, that's not a big deal if the guy you have playing quarterback is playing like a thirty million dollar quarterback. So you do have to say to yourself, okay, we're only paying him second round money. So um can we can we win with him? Can he can he play like that? And do we build around him? and save Carson Wentz, keep him healthy enough for to convince Indianapolis to give us a first-round pick and a future third-round pick for him, or Chicago to give us a first-round pick and a future third-round pick for him. That's the deal you're in. That's where you're at. So I, it's one of those two situations. I personally am excited to see uh, Philly play over the next couple weeks because uh, if Jalen gets hurt or Jalen plays really bad, it also gives them, a, them the room to say, listen – even Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, doesn't matter. There's so much dysfunction otherwise as in this organization. Uh, it doesn't matter who's playing the quarterback. And so that also gives you the okay to go back to Wentz in the start of next year
1: because you're like,
0: oh, well, listen, this is just injuries and riddle, and, and we fight Doug Peterson, and we're trying again, right?
1: Personally, I think this is a win-win for them and and, and be, because you have a perfect excuse If the narrative is we want to protect uh, Wentz and our O-line has been decimated, Wentz has been getting killed, there hasn't been much going on, Let's, let's keep the guy that we're paying a large sum of money over the next several years, let's keep him fresh. This year has been brutal, it's COVID, all this stuff, and we'll just keep him fresh. And on the flip side, you get to appease the critics and the pressure to bring Jalen Hurts in. You get to also see is Jalen Hurts actually a guy that can ball here, and and if this team somehow makes like a crazy run with Hurts, then all of a sudden now you know what you have in the guy, and now you can actually have information to bring into the offseason on whether or not you actually do want to go forward and make a make a deal with someone and and deal Wentz. That might hurt your hurt your stock a little bit when everyone knows how much money you paid for him and that you've got a good quarterback that you want to start over him. They may not be willing to pay as much as they would otherwise. But the point is you can learn a lot about your football team and what you've got while also not absolutely just, you know, crushing a guy. This isn't the same. This isn't the situation of like Trubisky getting benched for foals, you know, like this isn't that type of situation um and we never know what whence has been told uh so that's you know that obviously can play into all of this but for what we see on the outside i think this is kind of a win win for the organization itself so um it's a bold strategy to start someone over you know your uh, 100 plus million dollar man but uh, it, it's still a situation where i think they could come out winning in the end so You know, I agree with you. Philly's going to be definitely something on our radar. I mean, the NFC East as a whole has been so strangely intriguing throughout this whole season. Without a bat of football they've played, it has still been incredible to watch. And I know that's kind of something that you want to talk about in your headlines. So that's a perfect segue um, to kind of bring up the NFC East. Uh, as we go into our headlines of the week, so
0: uh, this is my headline, and, and my headline is the NFC East is a uh, is a uh, uh, a test tube uh, or a petri dish for the rest of the NFL to look at and how to build and not build a, a franchise currently, and I and I think obviously I'm I'm projecting this, but let's take a step back and say to yourself, all right. The NFC says four teams all in complete shambles in a lot of ways, but they're all in very different stages of where they're at. So the Cowboys and the Eagles going into the year where the teams, we thought, okay, they're in win-now mode. Why? They have the quarterbacks. They have, uh, you know, the money they spent on the free agents, the, the teams. Uh, you know, Dallas has their new head coach. Uh, and then what happens? Well, they're playing good offensively, terrible defensively. Dak goes down. And at that point in time, you just basically, you know, you kind of take a flyer on Dallas. You say, all right, let's, let's stop focusing on Dallas so much. The focus then goes to Philly. Oh, Philly's going to win this division. Philly's going to win this division because they have Carson Wentz. They have Carson Wentz. They have Carson Wentz. We have we just spent an hour talking about what's going on with Carson Wentz and this function there. And you start to write off Philly. And then your, your focus, which goes to then these two teams that we completely wrote off early, that couldn't win games, and looked like a mess. Quarterback controversy. Dwayne Haskins, we haven't said his name in five, six, seven weeks on this show, and rightfully so. Washington made the right move. He's not your guy. Move off him. So let's play some winning football. Let's build a culture. So what do I mean by saying they're a Petri dish for how to build a franchise? Well, I will argue that Washington and the Giants – Will one of those teams will win this division each of the next five years, and Philly and Dallas, neither of them will win this division over the next five years. And I'll say it. I think it's pretty obvious to say why. Winning NFL is a structure. To build a winning franchise, you have to have the structure. Obviously, ownership groups are very important. We know that. I know that as a Bears fan. You know that. You're lucky. You're a Steelers fan. You have an amazing ownership group. What does a, a good ownership group do? They want stability, and they want uh, a culture. So what has Dallas never had? Well, they have a great owner who's willing to spend money, but that owner never creates stability because he's every morning on the radio talking and just what saying whatever he wants to say, and he's also the GM. So they're never going to have that stability. You're never going to have a coach that can build a complete culture because that culture can be circumvented because every player has Jerry's cell phone number, can text Jerry whenever, and Jerry wants to be their best buds. So Dallas will always be dysfunctional, and now that Dallas is dysfunctional, and they're going to pay Dak, I think they will, and I think it's the right move, they're going to end up paying Dak. So now they have these massive contracts, that horrible Demarcus Lawrence contract, the bad Jalen Smith contract paying huge money out across our offensive line that's now old and falling apart d you couldn't you, the zeke deal is a is a nightmare and who when do we talk about zeke as being one of the top five backs in the league anymore not at all kamara cook christian mccaffrey uh, nick chubb all these other guys derrick henry way better than zeke right now and they're all getting paid way less than zeke right now they are in cap hell and uh, they have a coach that we don't know if we believe in. They have a quarterback coming off a, a, an injury. And a quarterback that, frankly, none of us really believed in was a top-10 guy when, before the injury. So I'm writing off Dallas for the next five years. And that's a bad way to build an organization, right? Massive contracts for a few star players that can't stay healthy. And uh, you're stuck with a coach that uh, can't build a culture that you don't even know if he's in charge. So Dallas is a nightmare. Philly... We know the nightmare they're in. We just talked about it. You don't know who your quarterback is, and yet you're paying them a ton of money. And now you don't even know if you trust your coach. And even though I like the ownership group and I like the GM, uh, you've created this mess. And, and for some reason, a culture that also can't stay healthy. Uh, and they do have some expensive contracts for guys taking in Slay and other things we thought were good moves in the offseason that haven't worked out. So Philly is in a, is in a really bad spot. As far as the petri dish of don't you don't want to build your organization that way. Now, the difference with Philly is and I'll come back to this in a second is they seem to have built the right way, right? They got their coach, they got their quarterback, they have stability. That all goes right, right? And things go. That's that's what you want an organization to do. But then as soon as you start losing top assistants and Frank Wright and injury bugs settle in. If you pay a guy too early that you're not 100% confident in and you're not 100% confident in your culture around that guy, things can fall off really, really quickly. I also think Philly's unique in the sense that the guy, he didn't get you to the Super Bowl. He didn't win the Super Bowl for you. At least the Rams can say, hey, Jared Goff, we paid him a lot of money and when he has a bad game, well, Jared Goff was the guy that got you to the Super Bowl. He was the guy that went toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes in that amazing Monday night game. You've seen it from him. There's not some guy who has a statue built inside of uh, you know SoFi Stadium who was Jared Goff's backup who got to the Super Bowl, right? Like you don't have that uniqueness of that of that constant erosion of this like uh, do we really think he's the guy? So then again, quickly the focus then goes to the two teams Washington and and the Giants who are in different stages of their rebuild. But their rebuilds are what you as an NFL, why the Petri dish, the test tube. This is what you want to follow. The Giants, slightly more traditional. The GM finds his quarterback, believes in his quarterback, then gets rid of the coach and brings in a coach to establish a culture. It's a guy who I ripped. Remember, I, I've taken this now. I ripped early. I didn't like the Joe Judge hiring. I didn't think he could set the culture. He They seem to be the Dolphins of last year, right? They, like, they, wow, love the culture, love the defense, and now they have a guy they believe in, they have a culture and a coach they believe in, and they're a historic franchise that loves stability. So the Giants seem to be building all in the right places, and they don't have any bad contracts. So they're an attractive free agent destination New York, they have no bad contracts, and they're still going to have some high draft picks because they're losing football games. They might win the division, but they're still going to have high draft picks that they could also easily trade out of and accumulate more draft picks, right? Really good spot. And the Washington football team, I give them so much credit. Dan Snyder may be one of the worst owners in the league, and I still think he is, but to his credit, once his organization started getting all these big, scary, awful allegations, to save his own butt... And the NFL didn't force him to sell, did the right thing. Fired all the bad people, got rid of his buddies that were harassing women, got rid of that horrible GM, got rid of the president. And what did they do? They brought in the right guys uh, who hired the right coach to build an amazing culture, and they have a fantastic culture. They drafted really well with Chase Young. They have an elite defense. And what are they in a position to do right now? They have really good offensive skill talent and a decent offensive line. What is Washington in a position to do right now? Either get their young quarterback in the draft because they're going to be in a spot for it or trade that pick and or they seem like Washington, Ron Rivera seems more the type of guy who wants to go out and trade for a Stafford, trade for a, a someone else, build a, b- trade for a Darnold. They could easily build that way as well and they have all the pieces ready to win. No bad contracts, a culture, a head coach, a defensive unit, and now a front office that I really like, even though I still hate the owner. So if you're the rest of the NFL and you're looking at starting a rebuild, my Bears, uh, other teams, obviously the traditional way of doing it is fire clean house, new GM, new GM gets a coach, coach gets a quarterback, and and you try to win that way. And look at the NFC East. It's warning signs for how not to do it with Dallas, and how to do it with Washington and and the Giants, depending on where you're at. And Philly, even though they did it the way I'm saying you should do it, if you have a bad stench in your organization, like your quarterback who you paid $100 million to is the guy who didn't win the Super Bowl, maybe you shouldn't do that either. If you have a quarterback that wins the Super yeah, Bowl, yeah. maybe don't then pay the other guy $100 million, warning signs.
1: And, and you touched on it a little bit there, too, that – the one thing that Washington and New York also have in common is that they have invested heavily in their defensive lines, and that's that's where a lot of games are won yep. in this league. Leonard and, Williams, you know, that New- trade. Leonard Williams, uh, Delvin Tomlinson; those are both really good interior guys. Uh, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, um, and then you've got you know pass rushers and Kerrigan and the like. So, yeah, they, they they have a lot there, and and both are using pretty solid defenses to set the tone um, uh, around an otherwise young offense. Yep. So yeah, I, I, I totally agree with a lot of what you said there. And I, I think they are kind of showing here too, that as bad as they looked in September, they, they are finding them because of the cultures that's being established by first year head coaches, they are now showing up in the months that matter the most. And that's, that's really where they've been most impressive.
0: I'll, Going,
1: co- yeah. um, into, Yeah. So going into into my headlines and look, this is gonna be, this is gonna be sloppy. All right, it's uh, it's part rant, part uh, venting, and you know, I guess if there's one kind of overlying statement that I I want to make about the Steelers in this one, it's that narratives shift quickly, and it's really easy to jump on and jump off uh after singular performances and that's kind of where i want to caution some things look basically coming into this i was really disappointed obviously in the way that they lost this game it was uh it was i i i had no illusions that they were going to go 16 and 0 that's extremely difficult to do i was certainly hoping for it i had no um no problem though with them going 14 and 2, 15 and 1, and having a couple losses here or there because it's the NFL and you can lose any day. And they had been playing some really close games and something was bound to snap at some point, right? You're not gonna win every single close game you're in if you kind of play that type of way. And so I wasn't overly you know, I was I was nervous coming into this one because I thought Washington has a great front four they hardly ever blitz and they get, they get consistent pressure from those four. The Steelers are a team that's trying to get the ball out really, really quick with Roethlisberger now. And the biggest, uh, you know, detriment to that is a team that can actually push the pocket and even pressure you more than what you're looking for. And on top of that, if you can't run the football, well, then a team like Washington uh, is going to, is going to beat you with that when they have, uh, a group of running backs that can hurt you in multiple different ways and a defense that can shut you down. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to go in here saying that, you know, the Steelers uh, shouldn't have won. They should have. They should have won because overall I think they're a better football team uh, and they should have won this game. I also don't think that Washington is as bad as their record indicates, but that's not to say that it's an excuse. Look, at the end of the day, there were a couple major issues that I've had with the Steelers as of late. That is concerning when it comes to the overall narrative of can they beat the Chiefs, which has been the biggest question mark throughout the year. And that's why recently I've had Kansas City as the top seed uh, in our pow- in my power ranking over Pittsburgh. And it's because currently I just don't I don't see that happening. Um, I, but but that being said, I still think Pittsburgh beats a lot of teams. In the AFC. And I think they they beat every team in the AFC outside of the Chiefs. Uh, If you're going to give them to me on any given Sunday, I'll pick Pittsburgh. The biggest issue with what happened with Washington, and to a lesser extent, or even more so extent, I should say, against uh, Baltimore, is their awful personnel decisions in key situations of the football game. Third, fourth downs, and red zone have been. Huge problems for this team in recent weeks. Last week against Baltimore, we saw it at the goal line. Pittsburgh goes; they're going to go for it, and they're going to go for it with bunch formation using Vance McDonald, Eric Ebron, and your fullback Derek Watt in a bunch formation to run routes. To their credit, Watt was actually open on the play. They just didn't. They, it ended up being an interception by Roethlisberger. He he rolled out and he missed Derek Watt. The point is, I am sick of teams, and Pittsburgh does this all the time, like trying to get creative because they don't have that confidence that they can get a yard, and we'll get to that in Washington because they couldn't get a yard in Washington against Washington. But if you're going to go for it on fourth down, I want my best playmakers on the field. Like you you have two tight ends who have not been catching the ball really well. Ebron – has had his moments throughout the year where he's come in clutch. But big drops, You're going to put your – but he's had huge drops, especially these past two weeks. He alone had, like, five yesterday. Or – I'm sorry, three. He and Deontay had three apiece. I, I don't care. Like, I want my best playmakers out there. I want Juju, Cla- Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson out there. You don't need Derek Watt, your fullback, running a route at the goal line because you want to, you know, uh, throw the defense off or whatever. If you're going to run the football, I want I formation and I want you to do what Pittsburgh Steelers football has always been about getting a yard, getting a push and trusting your guys to do it. And even if that trust isn't there, which it clearly has not been this year, um, you have to be willing to take those types of chances. We'll fast forward to Washington. We get some goal line plays. They get stuffed in the first play. Okay, we're not going to run I-form, though, for whatever reason. We're going to just instead throw uh, 12 personnel out there. And then after that, oh, let's try something, uh, you know, fluky, where we'll throw it to our right tackle that we just activated for the first time, and we're going to try and get him a pass in the flat short of the end zone. Made no sense. It's really silly to do that. Uh, and look, Tomlin said it after the game, if you can't get a yard, then you don't deserve to win the game. And that's, that was ultimately their undoing. The problem with it is while they hadn't been able to get a yard on third and one from traditional, we're going to run straight ahead to, to try and get cute and throw to a right tackle. I I just, I'm not seeing it. Like if you just do it, I'd, I'd feel much better if you didn't get the touchdown you got stuffed four times by sticking a fullback in there and saying we're going to power it at them and if they stop us four times in a row from that then heck they deserved it but now you put yourself in a situation where it's like really you you put a fullback out there to run a route you put your right tackle out there to run a route that's what we're going to do to try and win a game it's it's a little bit of um uh weirdly like cockiness mixed with a literal like not not trying to make a statement you know, to your offense. And it's it, it's a bad combination of things to do that uh, when, you know, Tomlin is, is trying to make a statement and Randy Feekner is trying to get cute. Um, finally, on fourth and one late in the game, they're going to go for it again. And what do they go? They go empty set with their rookie running back, and he's the primary read on a sluggo down the right sidelines 25 yards down the field. That's your fourth and one play. With once again no Deontay Johnson, no Juju Smith-Schuster on the field, you're going to have your two full, uh, you're going to have your fullback, you're going to have two tight ends out in the field, and you're going to throw it to the hot read, which is Anthony McFarland on a sluggo. It's this is infuriating for a team that, while yes, they're only 11 and one, I have no reason to like complain. It's infuriating because when you have these games that you should win and you have these moments where you're up 14-0, and you have a great elite defense, this type of stuff should not be happening. The offense just has not had a rhythm over the past month. And then on top of that, they're making awful decisions in key moments of the football games. Like, if you can't trust your offense to get a third and one, a fourth and one, I don't know how this team has confidence going into the postseason, whether or not they host games. You, You have to be able to win... And this is Pittsburgh Steeler football, right? This is how Pittsburgh has built its brand for the past 50 years. And they just can't seem to get the close yardage plays. I know they haven't had James Conner the past two weeks, but that's not the reason they have struggled running the football for several weeks. Now the past six, they, in the past six games, they have managed a hundred yards just once. And that was against Jacksonville. Uh, The three before that, they didn't even get to 50 last week. 21. That the 21 yards they managed last week was their like third worst in since the merger. So like there's no excuse other than they can't run the football right now. And Big Ben is throwing 51 times a game. And when they're throwing it, they're not cashing in on big plays. They're 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 doing five yard ding and dunk. This is very Tom Brady feel without the actual effectiveness of consistency. They looked great on two drives in Washington. It's like, wow, this offense can actually put put the uh, football down the field effectively, take time off the clock, even if they struggle running the football. But then just as quickly, they can't find that rhythm once again, and they get shut down. They need more. You know, their strength was balanced at the beginning of the year. And now that balance is gone. And that's why I have concerns. I have worries. I still think this team has a, has a shot to the Super Bowl, which is why I'm saying like narrative shift. shift. And I'm not going to just say off of this one game up oh, or even off of these past two games. Yep, they're not a Super Bowl team. They can't win the Super Bowl. They definitely can win the Super Bowl. They have an elite defense. They have a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. They have an offense that can run the football because they did it earlier this year against really good fronts. They need to get back to it. They need to find a way to get back to it to, to win. But I think they have a pathway here. I'm just concerned that they can't beat the Chiefs at this point. So if they get to the AFC Championship, and you 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 got to think the Chiefs are going to be there, uh, then that's where the real concern comes into play. And if they can't find a run game, then they're in big trouble. The Buffalo next week, that, that's huge. But if they can turn around and actually convincingly beat Buffalo next week by 10 points, and and where it was never in question. Then we're all of a sudden back to saying, okay, this team has a pathway.
0: Uh, yeah. You know, so my spin zone I mentioned earlier, you know, th- I think the biggest thing is, you, is you're you a fan of Pittsburgh. The spin zone is like, hey, I'm glad we lost. We got one off the back, and if we're going to lose to a team, we lost to an, AFC, an NFC team, not an AFC yes. team. So we still have the tiebreaker over, over uh, Kansas City. I do think, though, that is the biggest concern. I mean, Big Ben throwing the ball 53 times is a nightmare, especially – against that front and you're gonna play good defensive fronts in the playoffs and I love 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 that we get Sunday night football next week Buffalo and Pittsburgh that is gonna
1: be oh it's gonna be great a
0: fantastic game I, I'm listen I'm still very high in Pittsburgh as well and uh, I think everything you said there is very valid I, I I think the best thing you could do is sit there and say hey we want Losing one is not the worst thing in the world. Uh, let the Dolphins pop their champagne. I don't want that pressure. Let's not go into that. Uh, let's just get back to 8-6. Uh, and also, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been so schedule-effed by COVID more than any team this year, really, except for maybe Baltimore now at this point in time. But it was Baltimore that screwed Pittsburgh. And so, can they get back to some normalcy? You played on a Monday. Now you're playing Sunday night. Can you then... Get back to that regular rhythm of what you do as a football team, and rhythm is huge. I think Pittsburgh's gonna be okay. I fully expect them. People, I can't wait to see the line on the Buffalo Pittsburgh game. I haven't looked yet. But I love I'm already you, I love Pittsburgh next week against Buffalo. I think they bounce back. And when, you know, teams get embarrassed on TV, uh, and bad losses versus a team that played really well on national TV. Everyone's writing the praise. Swing, I think uh I, I think this is a chance. And if not and if they lose bad to Buffalo and they look bad, that's when you start to say, all right, Pittsburgh has lost it. They've lost whatever they had early in the season. They're going to make the playoffs. They've already won 11 games. So now you start to say, what do you have to do to just try to play winning football at the end of the season and into the playoffs? And I think that leads us into our, our what if.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, before before I say that real quick, I did want to mention one last thing because you, you alluded to it. And I, I, I can't believe I, I forgot to mention it. But – the drops is a real concern because that the strength of this team was their wide receiver depth and their, their sure-handed players on offense. Uh, they have 31 drops this year. That leads the NFL by 10. That's insane. They have 10 more drops as a team than the closest, and they've had 13 drops in the last two games. Like, you can't tell me that that hasn't played a huge role in how they've played against Baltimore and how they lost to Washington. It's just – you need guys to make plays, and and as bad as the run game was, the drops were really detrimental, and and I think that more points are on the board if we don't see this type of performance from these receivers.
0: Final point from me. I saw this on the internet today. It's not mine, I'm, so I'm admitting that I'm stealing this, but I'm more so wanting to spread this message and put it out there. The NFL, if they were smart uh, – they need to rename the Comeback Player of the Year Award the Alex Smith NFL Comeback Player of the Year
1: Award. Right? No, they kidding. need to do it. Just do
0: it. Give him the <laughs> award, and then rename it. And then you have you know the Walter Payton Man of the Year, uh, you know, and then you have the Alex Smith come- NFL Comeback Player of the Year Award. They need to rename it because Alex is not a Hall of Famer. He is definitely Hall of very good. He's had a very good, amazing NFL career, and what he's doing right now is still is shocking. It's inspiring. And uh, you'll never see it again in the NFL, and they might as well just name that award after now. He's one of those good guys in the league that everyone loves. It's a great story, and I think it'd be a great PR move for the NFL to do it too.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely rooting for him. Okay, um, our what if segment is next as we get ready to close out the show, and uh, you know this one kind of stays in the NFC North, AFC AFC North. There, Uh, we mentioned the Steelers. um, You know, losing, they still lead. the AFC North, uh, with a uh, fairly comfortable lead, but look, the Browns, with their win over the Titans, go to nine and three. It is not out. the 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 AFC North is has not been locked up yet, and the Browns do play Pittsburgh. Uh, we mentioned they play the Ravens next week, and then they sandwich in a couple of uh, what should be easy wins um, against the Giants and the Jets. So, what if the Browns win the North, Mark? What does this do for not only the organization, but what does it it do for their chances of actually making a playoff run versus just making the playoffs? Yeah,
0: so like what I talked about earlier, I I think to me that's the biggest thing. If they win the North, it's because Baker's playing well. And if Baker's playing well, that's exactly what you want to see out of this organization. Can he be the best of that group of other guys. So he's Baker's not in the Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, uh Justin Herbert, uh Patrick Mahomes category. He's not he's just not. He'll he, he we we know you see guys, you have eyes, you see guys who are like, "Whoa, that's different" versus, "Oh man, that guy you can win games. That's a good quarterback. That's a really good quarterback." Can he be the best of the Jared Goff group? Can he be the best of that group? Because you can win Super Bowls with being the best of the Jimmy G, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff group, because we've seen those guys get to Super Bowls. Not Kirk Cousins, but can he be that? So if he can sustain this and evolve into this, and Stefanski can get that out of him and coach him to that, like Lincoln Riley did, then the Browns got to be the happiest team in the world because they don't have too many bad contracts. Actually, I don't think they really have any bad contracts. They're spending a lot of money on Miles Garrett, but I'm okay with that because he's in the top five for best players on defense in the league. Um, So they're in a really good spot. And then you get rid of OBJ, you move on from that. Uh, I think it helps. Certainly them having home field also, the only thing that I would hope for is that they can send all of the Pfizer vaccines to Cleveland then because how much of a shame would it be if Cleveland's hosted a playoff game and you can't have a stadium that's got some people in it that is would be the biggest travesty right, in, yeah. in the world of sports so I would be pro uh sacrificing my dose of the vaccine send it to a Cleveland fan <laughs> so he can go watch the Browns in a home playoff game I, I'd be okay with that
1: that was a very altruistic move of you there Mark. yeah I'm a good guy um, well look if if they do win the north that likely puts them probably at the three seed because you would figure uh Casey gets the one seed at that point point. Uh, two seed either goes to Buffalo Cleveland, I guess could get the two seed, but the point being, uh, I like their chances of winning a playoff game then, because at that point you're looking at the Colts, potentially Raiders dolphins, and maybe the Titans, like those four teams. And they, they've shown that they can beat the Titans. I, I think they could beat any of those teams, especially if they're hosting, they could beat the dolphins. They could beat the Raiders. They could beat the Colts. They've shown they could beat the Titans. I, if it's a home field advantage, I think they could easily win one of those games. And I think that does wonders for Baker Mayfield's chances of getting, like you mentioned, getting that uh, potential contract, uh, getting that fifth-year option. Um, a lot of good things could come out of that. So, look, they're going to be very motivated. I think that Week 17 game, now that the Steelers have lost, I think it, it is ensuring that the Steelers are going to be playing for something in Week 17. Yeah. And so are the Browns. That's actually going to turn into an incredible game. I wouldn't be surprised if that game gets flexed to a primetime game at the end of the season. Um, a lot riding on on these next few weeks. We're going into a you know major shift in the NFL in the next few weeks. So I, I can envision our shows being very entertaining over the next few weeks because each. Uh, each game moving forward has a lot of. Yeah, this was on.
0: this was separation Sunday. You know what I mean? It's pretty obvious now who's going to be in the playoffs, who's not in the NFC, uh, in the AFC. We already know the Chiefs have clinched their division, uh, and we, we we have a feeling of the the top of the AFC. But we also know that the seeding is going to be really really crazy to determine the AFC. So it's going to get a lot of fun, and you know, in a lot of ways, we can you can start stop worrying about a lot of things. You know, uh, for me, it's just a, yeah. as a Bears fan, it's depressing. But as a football fan, it's really exciting.
1: Absolutely. Um. All right. Right Right at the end here, real quick, uh, let's give our thoughts on Cowboys at the Ravens today. Uh, six and five Ravens, three and eight Cowboys. Baltimore minus nine in this one. Oh. man. I am am getting
0: my mojo back with Baltimore tonight. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) All right. I'm going to win some money. Uh, Well, I'm going to take Baltimore. uh, I'm taking the over. I'm taking Baltimore minus nine. I am taking uh, I'm taking Lamar Jackson to have I'm going to look at the props before the game starts because I'm going to take him to do a lot of nasty, dirty things to that horrible Cowboys defense coming back. Uh, from uh, from having COVID-19, I think he's going to have a big game, primetime slot. Ravens now know exactly what they're playing for as well. Uh, you know, it's got to be loose for them. They got to feel a little loose. They got to feel good. And Dallas has almost had two weeks off. Last time they played was Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. they are going to feel rusty. They're going to come out, I think, a little slow, maybe a little disjointed, uh, and uh, I think the speed of
1: Baltimore
0: is going to just do nasty, nasty things to that bad Cowboys defense. Love, 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 love the Ravens.
1: Yeah. I think the Ravens easily cover in this one too. Uh, their defense has played outstanding. We saw it last week against Pittsburgh. I mean, with everything that the Ravens had to deal with, they still made it an extremely close game and their defense was flying around um, and, and absolutely making some phenomenal plays And, look, I think Andy Dalton is in for just a a beating tonight. And, uh, yes, I I take the Ravens to win handily in this one. I I got them by two touchdowns. And, uh, yeah, over 45.5 points in this one. I I would take the over on that as well. So uh, that is our prediction for Tuesday Night Football uh, here on our Tuesday edition of the Football Lounge. We thank you all for listening. And, uh, you know, it should be another great week. As, uh, as we really close in on the legitimate final quarter of the NFL season. Should be exciting. Hope you all enjoy the games this weekend. We'll be back here with a full recap next Monday. A lot of Week 14 action to pour through. And, uh, you know, Week 1 of the uh, fantasy football playoffs as well. So I'm sure a lot of you are really excited about that. Uh, we may have a little something for you next week uh, on that as well. Uh, Mark, are you in going to be in the playoffs well, I mean, and then I'm any your, your in any of your leagues? I'm currently in the
0: playoffs. Uh, so we, oh, we all, do, right, a, all right. We yeah. do Some teams way. start
1: week 13 or, or 14. And uh,
0: I was the fourth seed, squeaked in. So, listen, my team, I know no one cares about your fantasy team, but uh, I had uh, Kittle and Ertz and Eckler were three of my top oh, picks. Gosh. So, obviously, Rough. all three on IR most of the year. Kittle's still on IR. But. I have been salvaged by the fact that after one, our week of podcasting, that first week, you told me about James Robinson. I got him in my league. And James Robinson yeah, he has been a and beast. Alvin Kamara <laughs> have carried my butt to the fourth seed, and now I've run out of gas. I'm getting I'm getting routed. I think by uh I think it's Kevin Jones I'm playing. I'm getting routed. Uh, it's not looking good. <laughs> uh, but uh best mainly also because the quarterback position's been a disaster for me this year. And uh, and the Bears defense uh, got minus points, so that wasn't
1: that wasn't great. Either. Ah, good lord! Well, playoffs officially start for me next week, but uh, I'm in four leagues, and I think I'm in in all four. Oh, but check. I'm in for sure. I'm in the playoffs in three out of the four. So. I don't know. We'll see. Anything could happen, as you mentioned. i yeah, James Robinson's guy. been a, huge for I'm me. I'm a one-league guy. So. Well, the buy-in there you go. For, I mean, the, that's the, smart. The buy-in
0: for my league that keeps going up. I'm like, guys, you're all like cops and doctors and stuff. I'm a lowly radio host here. <laughs> right, yeah. I can't yeah. keep so – like, you can't. know, you're just robbing me blind here, taking my $100 dollars buy buy-ins.
1: Yeah, yeah. You needed one of those Pittsburgh, uh, you know, bets <laughs> <I> to pay <laughs> off for you to b- help I'm pay, pay betting, one of those fans I'm not betting Pittsburgh
0: again, I'm telling you that.
1: All right, uh, good luck to you all in your fantasy leagues uh, and, and enjoy the games this weekend. We'll see you back here next week.